Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you that as we approach your word, you feed us spiritually this morning. Father, that we grow stronger and we become more victorious. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 16, and look in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But who say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You know, the Lord... Um, led us to talk about the church a few months ago, and we talked about the church for several weeks, who the church is, what the church is. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus is building his church. Ephesians chapter 4. And look in verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. See, that's one way you can tell if you're growing up. Things don't just sway you anymore. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body. Hallelujah. So that's what the body of Christ is. Is the body of Christ, his body, we all come together in the unity of the faith. Every person having different gifts. The Bible says having gifts then differing according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So everyone has a different gift and a, a different part of the same grace of Christ. One of the things that we know in life is God has put his approval on two institutions. Marriage being the first one, and then also the church. And if there's one thing the enemy fights is the family. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the fight is against the family. You know, if, if there's... You know, I don't, I don't care to what extent you, you go with this, but, you know, if you, if you start talking about there's 57 genders, that's a fight against the family, against a husband and a wife and kids. And so he fights the family, the breakdown of the family, and he also fights the church. Why? Because we know that the church is the body of Christ. It's the one thing that the enemy is scared of. The enemy should be scared of the church. Now, I'm not talking about the nominal church. I'm not talking about the religious church. I'm talking about the blood-bought, blood-washed, sanctified saints of God. Those that are purchased by the blood of the Lamb. So he fights the church. And you know, the whole thing with COVID-19, people may not admit it, but it was all about the church. It was to stop the church. You can't have assembly. You can't meet. You can't have... And even now, there's still places that are shut down. And so, you know, wicked people thought that the church was just an organization. 
what people have seen. It's not just an organization. It's a thriving body of Christ. It's a thriving body of believers. And the Bible says the church of the living God. It's the family of God. But I want you to understand this today and, and realize that the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, he is a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. Do you know I'm not trying to defeat the devil today? I don't have to go any, through any spiritual rigmarole, you know, to, to go and, and defeat the devil today. You know, I didn't have to start at 5 o'clock by pulling down strongholds. And then pulling, you know, going in the heavenlies. <laughs> and you know, the, here's the other thing. The devil's not an equal opposite to God. He's, he's not, there's not like this struggle like, you know, I'm against the, like God's against the devil and they're just pushing back. It's like this. If you come into this building, of course, I know we have natural light, but if, you, if it was pitch dark in here, if you go turn on the light, Darkness does not just, you know, like ebb back a little bit and just like crawl back in the corner. It leaves. The darkness leaves. Amen. See, that's what, when you turn on the light. Well, you know that revelation is actually light. The light of his word. So when you get revelation, the darkness goes. That's why the Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Who's glad for the truth? Look over in Ephesians chapter 1. Skip back to Ephesians 1. Look in verse 19. Well, my numbers are missing. I don't even know which one is verse 19. <laughs> which one is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ? 17, okay. Okay, let me just skip down then. <laughs> what is exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above. Everyone say far above. far above. All principality and power and might and dominion. See, that's, that's talking about evil spirits. And dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now I want you to skip down to verse 6 of chapter 2. So the same verb that's talking in here about put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Skip down to verse 6. And hath raised us up together. Look at verse 20. He raised him from the dead, set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 6. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know that that's not when we get to heaven? That's right now. Now that's positionally. That's, we're not physically there, but positionally speaking. We, we are there in Christ. Hallelujah. So as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not a weak church. And I'm not just talking about this local church. I'm talking about the church universal. Every person that names the name of Christ. We're not the weak church. We're not a defeated church. We're not the militant church. We are the triumphant church. Hallelujah. So I want to share this morning about the church triumphant. The church triumphant. We might just preach a little bit. <clears throat> but here's, we said this, the church is not the weak church. You know, a lot of people just see the church or they feel like themselves that we're just, we're just holding on until Jesus comes back. You know, just, just hunker down and let's just hope for the best. We are not a weak church. Jesus is, is not coming back for a weak church. Amen. Nothing about Jesus was weak. You know, some of the old Westerns you see, and the, you, you have the, 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 the minister or whatever, he's crawling up underneath the wagon, you know, and he's, he, when, the, when the battle's coming. Well, that's, that's not Jesus. Amen. <laughs> you know, we're not tucking our tail and running. 
We're not weak. The Bible says this, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. Amen. Now, I don't have these written down, but I've got them kind of written in my, in my heart. So I'm going to just read a couple of verses here. You know, when you read the Bible, I mean, you could go through 30, 40 scriptures where the Bible says to be strong. Never did the Lord say be weak. You know, nothing is, there's nothing appealing about being weak, is there? Listen what the Bible says in Psalm. I'm just going to read a couple of these to you. Psalm 18. In verse 32 says, It is God that girds me with strength and makes my way perfect. Say that. It is God that girds me with strength. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, that's, that's just something on a daily basis or you should just say, the Lord's the strength of my life. I'm strong in the Lord. He's the strength of my life. Amen. He's the strength of my life. He's the strength of my lungs, my kidneys, my health, my, 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 my coming in, my going out. He's the strength of my life. I'm strong in the Lord. You don't hear that, though, when you go to the grocery store, do you? What, what do people say? Man, I don't know why I just, today I just feel so draggy and I just feel so, I don't know what's wrong. The Bible says in, in Joel 3.10, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say something. Amen. Don't just think it, but you say it. See, that's one thing that faith calls those things that be not. As though they were. People think, man, I, I don't want to say that. I'd be lying. No, you're just calling the things that you need in, to happen in your life. You're calling them into action. I am strong. I am strong. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I heard a testimony of this one lady. She was a, a missionary. And <clears throat> uh, another fellow minister went to go pray for her. And she's just there and she just said, um, his first name was Keith and said, Brother Keith, I'm so weak. And I, whenever I eat anything, it comes right back up. And I'm just so with And he said, first thing, he said, change your, you know, and he was just ministering to her and said, change what you're saying. And he said, say this, I have a voracious appetite and whenever I eat, it stays, it stays down. And so he said, well, she said, what happens if you throw up? He said, even more. Just wipe your mouth off. I have a voracious appetite. Anyway, he went through the scriptures and said, where it said, I am strong. The Lord's the strength of my life. Whispering. After 30 minutes, and she was bedfast, she's standing up beside the bed where you can hear her like two houses down. I am strong in the Lord. I am strong in the Lord. And just tears come in her eyes. I'm strong in the Lord. In the power of his might. Hallelujah. So the Lord tells us to be strong. I'll give you one more here. He says in 71, 16, Psalm 71, 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. You know, there's many times that you feel like you can't go. But you just get ready to go anyway. And you say, I will go. I will be strong. I will go in the strength of the Lord. <clears throat> so we are not the weak church. We are not the defeated church. You know, we, we're not just like, like we said, you know, we haven't just been beaten down like a little pup and, and just, Jesus, come back. Please, Jesus, come back. No, we are victorious. Amen. We're the triumphant church. Amen. Jesus already purchased my freedom. <clears throat> Jesus won the victory. We're also not the militant church. <clears throat> you know, years ago, you had a push with, with so-called spiritual warfare to where everything was just so natural. People come to church with army fatigues on. And you know, they're wearing camo and they're going to, you know, they're going to got their, their boots on and they're going to go 
exercise authority over the enemy. People would get up in helicopters and go to the top of the skyscrapers to pull down evil spirits. Well, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. <clears throat> They're not natural. They're not bazookas and, and M16s. That's, it's not natural, but spiritual. Uh, weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So we, we are in a warfare, but it's not what people think. Weapons of warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, don't stop right there. People just, people just stay right there and they say, well, we're pulling down strongholds. Devil, I bind you and I, I'm going to crawl up there and pull you down. He goes on to say this, casting down imaginations. So the, the greatest spiritual warfare is between people's ears. <clears throat> Where's the greatest, the greatest battlefield? The greatest wars that have ever been fought have been fought in the minds of men. And so that's where the enemy comes. So you're, if you always deal with your thoughts when they come, you're always going to be safe. You're always going to be protected. Casting down imaginations. That word is the word balo. It's like to throw, like a throw a ball. Now, can you throw a thought just like you can a ball? You grab a thought and you throw it. What does that mean? That, that thought right there, that's wrong. I, you're out of here. I'm going to throw you out of here. Amen. Amen. Just like a ref throws somebody out of a ball game. <clears throat> or a parent. <laughs> if they're unruly. You ever seen a parent get thrown out? <clears throat> well, that's what you do with thoughts. You cast them down. Casting down, other translations say reasonings and arguments. See, the, the devil, if, if you can... He always will try to keep you in the realm of reason. And he'll whip you every time. But if you can keep him in the realm of faith, you'll whip him every time. I'm going to keep him in the realm of faith. Faith in God's word. That's why the Bible says, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Some translations say, in your faith. <coughs> so I resist the devil. How do I resist the devil? Now, if you just rant and rave and just, he's just going to just laugh at you. I bind you. I just, you know, you just get in this rant and rave and, and no, you resist him with the word. You don't even have to get worked up about it. <clears throat> so we're not the militant tr church trying to win the victory. We're not trying to pull down spirits in the heavenlies. The Bible says we're seated in Christ far above. So really and truly, if you want to, just look at the bottom of your shoe, because that's where he is. He's under your feet. He's under your feet today. Hallelujah. So we are seated in far above in Christ Jesus. So the thing we have to do is learn to live from that place. Learn to pray from that place. You know, have you ever got in a time of prayer? Whether you're seated or in the car or whatever. You go to pray and the enemy always reminds you of your failures. First thing he wants to do is remind you of your failures. <laughs> That's why you need a righteousness consciousness. No, I'm I'm washing the blood. You know what? I may have done that, but you know I'm a new creature in Christ now. I got a new birth certificate. We, we were talking about this yesterday. Uh, uh, Brother John Osteen on that on that um, teaching, he was talking about having a new birth certificate. Because sometimes you say born again, and people think born again. What, what do you mean? I, mean, I got. <laughs> Like Nicodemus, uh, uh, go back and be born again, you know, my mother's womb. And, but he said, you have a new birth certificate. Yeah. Amen. That says, I'm righteous. I'm holy. I belong to him. So learn to, to pray from that place. Learn to pray that well, you're, you're praying from a seated position in, in Christ above. So that, you know what that means? That means I can, I'm boldly going to the Father to receive my needs met. I don't have to grovel and say, God, can you just please just help me this one time? I promise I'll do better. You know, people say this and make these vows. I promise I'll do better. Well, it's good to do better, but just go up and boldly receive what you need. So live in that place, pray from that place, and then reign from that place. You know, a lot of believers don't know how to reign. Romans 5.17 says this. 
For if by one man's offense. Now, who is he talking about the one man's offense? He's talking about Adam. Adam who sold us out. One man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more. (laughs) They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So as, as we have received the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, so walk in him. But after you receive him, you receive abundance of grace. And you know, we were talking about this this morning before the service uh, with the worship team, but you know, that's one of the things that's a, um, you know, when people emphasize grace at the expense of everything else, that's bad. Because the grace of God is wonderful. The grace of God, the Bible says, for you are saved by grace through faith. Before you can ever exercise um, faith, there has to be grace there. The grace of God came in the person of Jesus Christ. So grace is there, and then your faith activates the grace of God. Grace is actually like a, a, a dead thing until faith hooks up with it. You know, the Bible says in, in Luke, when it talked about the power of the, the Lord was present to heal, all these doctors of the law sitting there. And it says nothing about them being healed, but it talks about him being healed, one person. Why? Because they didn't exercise faith. The power of the Lord was present to heal these people who were actually doubters. Why? Because when the, when the preaching of the word comes, that, that's where the power comes. You preach on healing, the power to be healed is there. You preach on salvation, the, the, the faith to receive salvation is there. So whatever you emphasize, if you need something in your life more, then you need to hear more of the word in that area. So we reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So... Believers have to reign. We're to reign over circumstances. Why? Because we're free. You know, if you, when you say that, people say, okay, I'm free. Free from what? Most times people say, well, I'm free from sin. And that's a good start. I am free from sin. Every believer is free, whether they act like it, whether they know it, even if they still have things that try to attach itself. Say this, I am free. I am free. Amen. Sometimes that's all you have to do is just say it. I am free. You know, that's the greatest way you work, you, you act on the word is your confession. You know, when you got saved, you didn't have to crawl up a skyscraper. You didn't have to go swim the oceans of crocodiles. And, you know, you didn't have to do anything like that. The Bible says the word is now you even in your heart and your mouth. So the miracle is actually in your mouth. So as you say it, you say, I am free. What happens? When you make that confession of faith, every devil in hell can't stop you. No devil in hell can stop you from being born again when you make that confession and you say, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So we're free from sin. The Bible says that sin shall not have dominion over you. You might have to just remind yourself. You have to remind your flesh. Sin shall not have dominion over me. The Bible says in Romans 6, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body or obey it in the lust thereof. I don't obey my body. You know, the body has its own desires, but I don't, know, I don't let it dictate to me what I'm going to do. Do this, watch this, eat this. There's a, there's a word, a two-letter word that you need to use on your flesh all the time. Anyone know what it is? No. (laughs) No. So we're free from sin. The Bible says we're free from sickness and disease. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, if that is not operating in your life, there's things I've battled in my life. It doesn't change the Bible. It doesn't change the truth. You emphasize the truth is what changes the natural. So I'm free from sickness and disease. I'm free from poverty. Everyone say, I'll never be broke. I'll never be broke. See, I'm free from poverty. 
I'm free from habits and bondage. Anything that binds. You know, the Bible says this, that the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. The Amplified says, to the full until it overflows. <laughs> that's not a little dab, but do you? That's not fill the coffee cup halfway. You know, just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Just a tad. Just a tad, a scotch. Just a little bit. No, fill it up till it's overflowing. The Bible tells us that we are free from all the curse of the law. Now, what is the curse of the law? If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, the Bible talks about these blessings if you obey. These curses shall come on you if you don't obey. Who wants the blessings? Who wants the curse? Good, there was no takers for that. And so Galatians 3.13 tells us this. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. So what does that mean? The, the first 14 verses talk about the blessings. Blessed shall you be when you come in, you go out. But 15 through 60-something or 70-something is talking about all the curses. So that means the curses for not obeying will not come on me. Why? Because Christ Jesus Redeemed. Now, that word redeemed means purchased. Jesus purchased my freedom. Galatians 5.1 says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. So Jesus, he didn't need to be free for himself. He was already free. <laughs> and so he purchased my freedom. That means that all those things, sickness, poverty, I am free from it. He redeemed me. He paid the price. The prison door is open. Why are you still standing inside? So I just have to accept it. And see, that's one of the things that, that I was started to say, that grace, as wonderful as the grace of God is, grace, there are certain things grace cannot do. And here, you've heard, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but people will say, well, you know, grace covers it all, past, present, and future. You know, my sins, past, present, future. That is a half-truth. Only if you repent, though. You know, grace has provided salvation for the worst sinner in this world. But they still have to receive it. So one of the things grace can never do is it can never repent for you, and grace can never receive. You know why? Because the Bible talks about receiving the grace of God in vain. The Bible talks about frustrating the grace of God. So there's things you can do the Bible talked about ungodly men in the book of Jude turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, into self-restraint. I mean, lack of restraint. So I don't want to take the grace of God in vain. How do you do that? By not receiving in your life. That's one way. <clears throat> so Christ has redeemed me from the curse. So the triumphant church, one of the things about the triumphant church is this. He's given us authority in his name. I want you to look over in Mark chapter 16. I get excited talking about the church. You know, this church here, the local church, is a very tiny part of the universal church. For all those that have gone on to before us and all those that, are, that name the name of Christ even today. We're a little minnow in the ocean. <laughs> but thank God we're apart. Yes. You know, the, the, even the, the, the water boy on, the, on the, the Super Bowl winning team, they still get apart. Or the World Series or whatever, or the NBA. They still have a part. See, that's why the, the church, there's no unused members and there's no one that's insignificant. That's why, that's why there's no comparison. And that's why we don't, you know, I don't strive with other ministers. We're on the same team or should be. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to, to jockey for a position. I, I, you know, I'm just going to do what God's called us to do. But look in Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I even asked our, our golden retriever yesterday if, if he knew that God loved him. He just looked at me, you know. <laughs> I think he was like, yes. <laughs> Go into all the world, preach the gospel, to, it says to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall, shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So this is what the triumphant church does. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the testimonies earlier because you heard the one testimony about going out. It's not just coming to church and going home. It's going out and, and feeling that purpose yeah. in your life, on the job. He says here, these signs shall follow them that believe. So as a believer, signs should follow me. They should follow you. You don't follow the signs, they follow you. Now I like, um, you wouldn't do any unjust, injustice to this verse because you don't understand that punctuation was actually added later. You could even look at it like this. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Because that's what you're doing. You believe, you believe in the name of Jesus you do this by the name of Jesus. Number one, you shall cast out devils. You know, that's one way you demonstrate Satan's defeat, is you cast out devils. Number two, you shall speak with new tongues. You know, as I said humorously, it's, it's not humorous, but <laughs> some churches have, have taken this and they cast out tongues and they speak with devils. But we're supposed to cast out devils and speak with new tongues. That is actually a sign of a believer. You shall take up serpents. Now, I'm not going to, you know, if you bring a snake in here, I'm going to kill it. So, you know, we're not one of those churches. We're not going to keep one in the fridge back there in my office. So it gets a little cold and then, you know, it doesn't respond. I've got one kind of snake that's good and it's a dead one. Amen. I'll ask someone, someone else to kill it first. And if you don't, I will. I've killed them with all manner of things, trash cans and everything. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> when one place we lived, my wife said that's the final straw. Because <laughs> before church, we were going to church one morning, and I opened the door and I saw in the garage, and thankfully it stayed up underneath there, and I pulled it out, and then with the garbage can, I just boom, 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 boom. You know, she's like, "Oh my Lord, what's happening out there?" <laughs> And I said, I said, stay inside. <laughs> you know, just stay in there. We'll, we'll be okay in just a minute. And then when we moved from there, we got to the next place and, and uh, we were unpacking some stuff in banana boxes, some kitchenware, and she found a snake skin in there. So all that went in the garbage, you know, of course. <laughs> She's like, I don't care how much washing you do. That's just, even Dawn doesn't deal with that. So we got rid of it. <laughs> but he's given us authority in his name. So, you know, what he's saying is this, and, and we'll see this in, in, from another passage, but he's talking about taking up serpents. It means that you're going to deal with the enemy. You can, you can deal with the enemy, and, you know, I, I'm not going to just pick up a, a something, but, you know, just like Paul, how many remember what happened to him in the book of Acts? The Bible says that they were shipwrecked, and if that wasn't bad enough, all this he went through, then he goes to build a fire and this viper grabs a hold of him. People said, oh, you know, you know, fate didn't let him live. And then he just shakes it off. And then they say he's a God. So don't just trust in popular opinion. But, you know, if you are accidentally bit, you can just claim immunity in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> and so... It shall not hurt them. They should, um, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. So, you know, you don't just drink poison, but if something happens and you drink something, you know, it's like when you go, like the one person, they go to the family reunion, they say, Father, thank you for this food, and Lord, if we eat any deadly thing, it shall not hurt us, you know. It may not be, you know, to Aunt Susie and her, um, might, might not be a compliment to her, but 
If you eat any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. How many know you have to believe God no matter what? I, I don't care what you're eating. If you're eating organic or you have to believe God for everything that you eat. You know, it's like this, you know. Pray over the food before you even get it. Like when you place the order. Because they may have dropped your steak on the, on the floor back there in the kitchen and just wiped it off. Amen. So just, just believe God. <laughs> believe God before you even get the food. I'm, I'm <laughs> It'll be okay. Well, if that's so, then you shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Amen. You shall lay hands on the sick. Lay hands on yourself and you shall recover. See, that's the triumph of church. That I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Luke 10, 19 says this. Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, what does tread mean? That means you're walking on it. That means it's not walking on you. It's under your feet. I'm treading on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So, what is uh, serpents and scorpions? He goes on to say, and over all the power of the enemy. Serpents and scorpions typify the work of the enemy. <clears throat> you know, like the one person, this one lady, she had this dream, and oh, the Lord spoke to me, and she, had, she was speaking to the serpent. Well, that's not God speaking to you. God is not going to appear as a serpent. <clears throat> a demon. Matthew 10, verse 1 says this. This is when Jesus sent the, the, the disciples out, the 70 out, actually. And he says that he, he's going to give them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. Do you know the only thing you need to know when dealing with demons is one thing. Shut up and come out. You don't have to have a 12-week seminar. Shut up and come out. That's what Jesus did. Shut up and come out. You know, not tell me more. You know, I, I personally don't think that you have to have or should have conversations. We see one time where Jesus dealt with the one demon and, and he, he asked him because that demon didn't come out. He said, what is your name? What is your number? And he told him, my name is Legion. Then he told him to go. He didn't talk to him anymore. Why? Because demons are known liars. So you just deal with them and you cast them out and, and be done. So he gave them unclean, power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal, get this, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So say this, I have authority, I have authority. over sickness and disease. And against all unclean spirits to cast them out. So that, don't, that doesn't mean I have to go looking for demons. And you know, years ago, it was a demon behind every bush and demon behind every tree. Here a demon, there a demon, everywhere a demon, demon. You know, so that's what people were demon conscious. I'm not demon conscious. And, and people were having manifestations of demons, but you know why? Because they were minding them. They were having them on their mind too much. Man. Whatever you put your mind on is what you're going to have. Man. How many remember the two going on the road to Emmaus? And they were talking with Jesus, and they didn't know it was Jesus. Yeah. And they said, he said, why are you so sad? He said, have you not heard you know, the, the tidings? They said, of, he said, of what? He said, of Jesus of Nazareth. And it said that, that, um, that um, as they were talking about the scriptures, See, Jesus showed up. Whatever you talk about, Jesus showed up. And then the Bible said he opened their eyes that they should know who he was. So whatever you put your mind on is what's going to manifest in your life. So we have authority over sickness and disease. The Bible says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. <clears throat> well, I resisted him, but he didn't go. The Bible says resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Always stay on God's side. 
I always stay on what, God, you know, the God's word is true. If God said it, that settles it. Whether you've experienced it in your life or not. So resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we as the body of Christ, we're part of the triumphal church this morning. We're a supernatural church with supernatural signs. That's the way every local church should be as well. <clears throat> supernatural equipment. You know, God's given us supernatural equipment. <clears throat> the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that he's given different gifts. And he talks about to one is given this, to another. He talks about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. All of those are revelatory, revelation knowledge. The, the, the gifts of utterance. We see tongues, interpretation tongues, prophecy. Then we see the power gifts, which is what? Working of miracles, gifts of healings, and special faith. All of these worketh the self-same spirit. But it says that he gives severally as he will. He divides the manifestation to whoever. So we as the church have all the in potential. We have the, all the gifts of the spirit. But he, he chooses one. That's why he says, for to one is given this, to one another. So what do we do? We just have to learn to yield to him. Yep. Now we know it's as he, he wills, but he wills more than we will. How many believe that he wants to manifest himself? But all these are supernatural. You know, the, the, the working of miracles is not uh, medical science. Thank God for medical science and what it can do. But, you know, gifts of healings is not talking about doctors. It's talking about supernatural gifts of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> you know, someone thinks something up and they say, oh man, I studied that out. And the Lord gave me a, uh, a word of knowledge because I studied. A word of knowledge is when you, you don't know anything about, I mean, you may know something about the subject, but one minute you don't know it and the next you do. Yeah. Who's ever just had that? You just have something that just, it comes from within and you think, that's the answer. That's it. That's a word of knowledge. You might have a word of wisdom that deals with the future. Go do this. Go take care of that. Hallelujah. And all those are supernatural. So we have supernatural equipment as the church. See, that's what makes the church different than any other organization. Or from just religion and just lifeless church. Is we have the power. That's why we don't, that's why we also, we're not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because th this is his church. Jesus said, before you go, don't leave home without him. <laughs> don't, don't go without the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so we have supernatural equipment. We have a supernatural word. The Bible says in Acts chapter 19, the Bible says, that mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. I'll tell you, the, the way to everlasting freedom, this is it. The mightily growing word in your life. The more the word of God prevails in your life, the more it trumps everything else in your life. The more it pushes out everything else. You know, when, when, when you read that whole passage, the Bible talks about that the people of God there, um, they were going to try to thrust Paul into this one place. And the Bible says for the space of two hours, there was this confusion and they just cried out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. <clears throat> and all this happened after uh, it talks about the word of God prevailing. Well, he didn't get up and just deal with the Diana spirit. He preached the word. How do you want bondages broken? You preach the word. How do you want to see things happen? Preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Amen. So it's a supernatural word. The Bible says we have a supernatural prayer life. Thank God that we can pray in our own language, in our known tongue. But the Bible says that we can pray in an unknown tongue. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says this. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue... Now, that's unknown to you, the speaker. 
It doesn't mean that someone doesn't know it in this present. But the emphasis is on it to you. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. So that's why one of the things also that people got into was these warring tongues. Well, we're just going to torment the devil, you know. And Well, first of all, he doesn't even understand tongues. So why would you? He's like, I don't even know what they're saying, you know. They're trying to torment me, but I don't even know what they're saying. He doesn't understand tongues. Because he's, why? He's not alive spiritually. He's dead spiritually. He is a spirit being, but he's dead spiritually. But he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit he's in the spirit he speaks mysteries or divine secrets. So that's why it's important to, if you're, if you're baptized, and even it just hit me this morning. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you speak in other tongues, don't take that for granted. When, you, when we have a prayer meeting before church or, or if we speak in tongues during church, that shouldn't be the only time during the week that you pray in tongues. Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, that Corinthian bunch, they prayed, wanted to pray in tongues every time they came together. That's why he went on to say, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words in a known tongue than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. Why? Because the people wouldn't understand it. If I just went on, if I just came up here and spoke in tongues, you might say, well, Lord, bless him, help him, and say, well, amen or whatever. But you wouldn't know what I'm saying unless you had the interpretation. So that's why he said, I would rather just speak in my, my known language for us English than just to pray in tongues the whole service. But Paul said, yet in the church, but he spent most of his time praying in tongues outside. And he did a tremendous amount of it. Hallelujah. And then we have supernatural help. Angels. Hebrews 1.14 says this. See, no other, no other religion has help like we have. <laughs> I mean, I figure this. If Will doesn't make it, then it's because I quit. And I gave up because I have help on the inside and I have help from heaven. Hebrews 1.14 says this, are they not all ministering spirits? Talking about angels sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. So notice that the Bible says they are ministering spirits. They minister for them, not to us. Now we, we see that the, Jesus in the temptation, it said that he was, uh, you know, after 40 days and 40 nights, he was weak. The enemy tempted and it said that he resisted. He came out in the power of the Spirit and, and the angels ministered unto him. But when we see the talking about us in this covenant, they don't minister to us, they minister for us. <laughs> Who likes to go to a restaurant and, and have the, the waiter or waitress show up more than when they bring your food and then bring you the bill. Don't you like it like a couple of times in the middle? They minister to your cup of lemonade or your cup of tea. Can you please minister a little bit of ice in there, please? I ran out of ice. You know, they're ministering there for you. Angels minister for us. You know, the Bible says that they hearken unto the voice of the Lord, of the, His word. So if you don't have any word to activate them, they're just standing there, just standing waiting. Just standing there waiting. Here at the River Church, we're going to put our angels to, to work. We're going to, we're going to, there was a book years ago, Angels on Assignment. We're going to, we're going to put angels on assignment. They're, they're, they're going to be over, working hard and they're going to have to call, they're going to have to call some of the angels from the other churches that are just waiting and say, hey, we need your help over here. These people over here, we, we've got to help them. We've got to bring in the, the finances. We've got to bring in the provision. And you know, you can pray that way. Go, ministering spirits. Now, you don't pray to angels, but you can tell them what to do. Go, go get, 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 you know, take care of this right now. Bring in the, the money that we need. Hallelujah. 
the next verse says this in, in Hebrews 2, 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So don't take any of the things of God for granted. When it comes to angels, when it comes to our authority in Jesus' name, don't let these things slip. And I like what one of the, if you keep reading, I believe it's in chapter 3 or 4, he says that we should not neglect such a great salvation. You know, it doesn't say reject. Well, I haven't rejected the Lord yet, but you may have neglected some things. The results of neglect over a period of time can be a gross thing. Who's ever neglected their fridge? I mean, it's some of the areas that you don't see, you know. And um, I was just cleaning out the fridge a couple weeks ago, and I thought, ooh, didn't know that was in there. Especially if it rolls behind a shelf, you know. If there's room behind it, and it rolls back there, and it's just sitting there, and it's a jar of something. And, like, we have this special container of eggs, and I found the top laying back there. It's like, how long has that been back there? That's called the results of neglect. Amen. And so what happens is when you neglect things, they just pile up. Who's ever cleaned out your garage and you think, oh, there's that thing I was looking for 12 years ago. So don't neglect them. But what does he say? Give the earnest heed to the things which you have heard. That's why Peter said this. He said, as long as I'm in this body, I'm going to stir you up by way of remembrance. Why? So you won't let them slip. So we have help from heaven. I have help on the earth. And so we're going to make it. You know why? Because we're the church triumphant. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Just thank the Lord for it. Father, we thank you today that we are the church triumphant. You're the church, that we are the church, your body. We thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, that you called us to be strong and you've called us to be the light of the world.